Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. It is a blessing to worship the Lord together this morning, isn't it? God's here. We come here to worship His name. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Beloved, do not be surprised at fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let, the, but let him glorify in God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will, we, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray, guys. God, you are a wonderful, great God. You are the most high. And, and most high God, we've come to worship you today. We've come to praise you, pray to you, hear from you. And Lord, you, it's because you've blessed us. We're here because you've blessed us. You've blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing of heaven. You've blessed us with life. You've blessed us with eternal life. When we were living in darkness and ignorance, you brought us into your marvelous light and you blessed us. When we were prideful and rebellious, you humbled us and saved us and adopted us into your own family and you blessed us. You've given us redemption and you've blessed us. You've forgiven us of our sins and you've blessed us. You have only and ever blessed us our whole life. Every commandment has been a blessing. Every correction's been a blessing. Every encouragement's been a blessing. God, we thank you for all your blessings, and they all are, all are ours in Christ. We love you. We love you. And if it's not too much to ask, would you bless us once more as we hear your word and change us as a church into people that bless you back and glorify you back. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Ikea is a company is founded in 1943 in a, on a family farm by Ingvar Komprad, who was just 17 years old at the time. Can you believe that? I didn't do that when I was 17. That's pretty amazing. Ikea is a unique furniture company in that it ships its products to customers ready to assemble. All you have to do is follow the picture instructions, and presto, you've got that bookshelf that was in that glossy catalog that you looked at. It's a company that's based on the idea of self-assembly. 
So there's this implied promise. It's not spoken. It's implied. There's this implied promise with Ikea furniture. If I follow the instructions completely, then I should get the right results. So if I did not get the right results, then it means that I did not follow the instructions correctly, or maybe not completely. And if we're being honest, most of us who've ever bought something from Ikea, years after our purchase, we're still amazed at how we flubbed up those really simple to understand picture instructions. We, like, we look at it, we're like, what, what went wrong? What went wrong? The directions are so simple. Well, it's kind of where we are today in 1 Peter. For the last two chapters, the apostle has been giving us instructions on how to live among unbelievers in different spheres of society. That's where we've been He's been giving us instructions on how to navigate life so that we can avoid unnecessarily suffering. But Peter doesn't want to give us the impression that we can actually avoid all suffering if we're truly living like a Christian. There's no step-by-step direction sheet on how to self-assemble a perfect, suffering-free Christian life. He wants you to know that. He wants me to know that. See, when we obey God, when we obey God and it actually results in suffering, that can make us question things. Am I right? When we literally obey God and life gets harder for us, that can make insecurities rise up within us. It can make us doubt things. It can make us wonder, well, you know, does God really love me as his child? I mean, didn't I not follow his instructions completely? Did I really hear from God when he told me to do this? We obeyed God, and our church got smaller instead of bigger. We obeyed God, and our marriage got harder instead of easier. We followed his way, and our family isolated us instead of embracing us. We now find it difficult for anyone to want to date us at school because we want to live by Christ's values, and we've made that known. So we're just not as attractive to the guys and the girls. We feel maybe the cold shoulder from people that we work with, or maybe we've been passed over for a promotion. We've been passed over for a raise because we are going to live and work by Christ's values, and we've made that known in some way or the other. And so we wonder, we have questions that rise up in us. Why am I suffering when I'm following the clear and simple direction to love God and to love my neighbor? What went wrong? What happened? You see, Peter wants to help us. He wants us to view suffering for the name of Christ from a very different angle. And it's this, for Christians Great blessings often come through real suffering. Great blessings often come through real, not imaginary, suffering. Hip-hop artist Lecrae illustrates this truth very well in his new song, Broke. He talks about how the real pain of growing up in poverty made him a better man today than he probably would have been had he not been poor. Lecrae says, quote, had to keep the stove hot so it cooked right. If everybody eaten, that was a good night. Had to take a loss before I took flight. Hard times made for a good life. 
Yeah, I came through the struggle with my head high. Being broke made me rich. Being broke made me rich. Being broke made me rich. Great blessings often come through real sufferings, brothers and sisters. Like, I know, I get it. I know what you're probably thinking. That sounds like a mystery, right? It sounds like a paradox. It's because it is. It's because it is. But that's exactly the perspective that you and I need to have in order to persevere in the faith all the way to the end. For Christians, blessings often come through suffering for the name of Jesus. And he's, Peter's talking about a specific type of suffering. There's a few blessings that are in this passage. I'm going to highlight two of these blessings. One of them is this. Suffering for Christ proves that things are actually going according to plan. Suffering for Christ proves that things are going according to plan. Let's go right to the text here. Verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. And when people question you, I got a question for you. It's like you're getting put on trial. You're going to answer my questions. He says, don't be surprised when the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Peter's been giving these instructions for almost two chapters on how Christians are to interact with an unbelieving society so that we do not suffer unnecessarily. He doesn't want us to suffer unnecessarily. So he's like, so here's how you navigate that. Two chapters. He's tried to help us navigate that tension of both living in a way that pleases God and a way that honors our opponents. And we're supposed to hold on to both of those things and not emphasize one or the other. But Peter doesn't want us to be lulled into a false sense of security, to be fooled. There will be times when you and I will obey God and we will try to do good to our neighbor and they will still be offended by us. We will still be the brunt of an insult or we'll get the, the icy, iced out, kind of the exclusion. It's going to happen. It's not if that comes upon you, it's when that comes upon you if you're living like a Christian. And there, listen, this is why it's important because when that happens, and, and we try to avoid that, when that happens, there can be this voice in our head that sounds a little bit like this. Well, you know what? If you would have just done things a little bit differently, if you just wouldn't have been so vocal about being a Christian, just kind of kept that on the down low a little bit, if you would have just approached things differently, if you would have just said things a little bit differently, if you would have tried to look so different, then you could have avoided all of this. This was all avoidable. In other words, it's easy to think in those moments that we did something wrong to turn that person off, to offend that person. You know what? Gosh, maybe I just misread Jesus' instructions here. Maybe I just kind of did it wrong. I didn't do it completely, or I didn't do it fully, or do it right way. You guys ever been there? You had that voice rise up in your head? I have. Maybe we misread Jesus' instruction. And Peter right here, you know what he says? Nope. Nah. 
He gives a holy nah to that voice. You didn't. They were already turned off to God's way of doing life long before they met you. They were turned off to living God's way and thinking God's way long before you shared the gospel with them, long before you started working there, long before you started going to school there, long before you ever showed up. Your interaction with them simply brought that rejection of God to the surface. Let me say that again. Your interaction with them simply brought their rejection of God and his way to the surface so that they could see it. Peter is telling us to expect to suffer for the name of Jesus. It doesn't mean that we did something wrong necessarily. It doesn't mean that something has gone wrong with God's plan. It actually proves that things are going according to plan. He's warning us in advance. This will happen, so be ready when it happens. And you go, wow, he was right. In fact, he's actually reminding us what Jesus said. Peter's always taking us back to Jesus. Look at John 15. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me when? Before you ever came along. You just brought that rebellion and pride and hatred to the surface. Before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You don't belong to the world anymore. You can only keep that down. You can only hide that so much. It's going to come out if you're living after Christ, right? He says, remember the word I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they might persecute you. Is that what it says? I'm so, I misread it. Sorry, let me try that again. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But if they keep my word, they'll also keep yours. There's a proving ground here. These things are being, they're going to be coming to light. They're going to be revealed. Jesus is the light of the world. He's going to be revealing this in you and in me and in the world. Do you see the comfort that is here in the words of Jesus and the words of Peter? Are you guys feeling the comfort of these words yet? Suffering for the right reason, suffering for the name of Jesus is normal. Jesus normalized it. You didn't mishear, you didn't misspeak, you didn't misplace your faith in the wrong one. And given what that means, it means that you can stop racking your brain trying to figure out if you did something to unnecessarily offend someone. You didn't. You didn't. Listen, guys. If you do more than simply read your Bible... If you, like, if you literally do more than just read your Bible once in a while, if you actually live out what Jesus teaches in the Bible, and Jesus teaches that all the Bible is for us, if you actually live out what Jesus teaches in the Bible, if you let Jesus actually change how you save and spend your money, if you let him change how you treat your spouse, change how you love your neighbor, change how you love your church family, change how you do your job, change how you complete your schoolwork, that will make some people uncomfortable. 
Some people will just not like that. It'll make them uncomfortable. And you know why? Because the new life in Christ that you're taking serious and that you're actually living out, it's not just words, you're actually living it out. They, th- th- that life is confronting them. They're being confronted with that life that God wants for them. And they don't really want it. That's why. As followers of Christ, we are not going to completely blend in or be completely accepted by the world anymore because we belong to Jesus now. We have been brought from darkness into light, and we love him. We love him. Our internal compass is setting to whatever, what would please you, God, today? It doesn't mean that we did anything wrong, and it actually means that things are going according to plan. My goodness, Jesus, you can trust what he says He said it would happen, and lo and behold, it's happening. You can trust him. What a blessing. What a blessing for you. What a blessing for me. Things are going according to God's plan, provided we are suffering the right way. That's always been one of those themes that Peter's bringing up. The right thing, but for the right way. We're going to do both of those things together. Peter likes to make these truth claims as we've been reading and then add this little asterisk. Have you noticed that? I made this truth, I put like a little footnote, you gotta go look up the footnote. And here's where he does it again. Suffering because you're talking like a Christian and you're living like a Christian and you're making decisions and you're influencing other people in that way like a Christian is not your fault unless you're verse 15. There's the asterisk. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. What's he saying? He's saying, we cannot murder people in the name of Jesus. We cannot murder people, whether that's physically or we assassinate them on social media in the name of Jesus and then cry persecution when we're held to account for those actions. Don't get to do that. That's not suffering for the name the right way. You and I cannot steal. We cannot steal time at work by reading our Bible on the clock instead of getting our job done and then cry persecution. No, you're just a bad worker. That's why you got in trouble. It's not because you're a good Christian. That's what he's saying. We cannot take money. We cannot take property, even a blade of grass. We cannot take money or property from other people in the name of Jesus and then say we're being persecuted. Nope, you're being prosecuted. You're not being persecuted. And there's a difference. Doing what is wrong is never right, even when we think it affirms our belief in Jesus. He wants us to know that. If, you're, if you and I are flouting the laws of the land or the school or the neighborhood, covenant, whatever that is, then, and then you brought the ridicule, you brought the shunning, you brought the suffering on yourself. That's the asterisk. One last, the, the last uh, word here, the term is the most interesting in this li- list that he gives. He loves giving lists. Meddler. Now that's interesting. I just imagine the church hearing this letter and going, murder, Pfft, yeah, no problem. I'm not gonna murder. You know, thief, I don't steal. You know, evildoer, hey, I'm a Christian. I'd always do good. Meddler, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, <laughs> Might be me, might be you. You know what a meddler is? It's a preacher. No, it's not a preacher. <laughs> and a meddler is, I'm influencing you positively. 
You want to know what a meddler is? A meddler is getting into people's business to stir up discord, not serve them. To store up dis, stir up disunity, not say, hey, come back into unity. Come back to truth. Come back to family. It's to stir up discord. Guys, we've got to be honest. Sometimes, as Christians, we can make ourselves a stench in the nostrils of people in society. In the name of Jesus, can the church say amen? Sometimes we are obnoxious with our evangelism strategies. Sometimes we are abrasive in how we talk with one another and how we insert ourselves into people's lives and try to tell them what is right and wrong instead of just kind of lead and guide them to what is right and wrong. A meddler is someone who crosses the line and it's not always a line to see and that's why we need to be part of a church because the church helps us see this line. But a meddler is someone who crosses the line from positively influencing people to controlling people in situations and this preferred result that I want. That's meddling. So Peter is saying, look, if unbelievers are going to rationalize and give a reason why it's okay for them to slander and revile you, the only crime, so to speak, that they should be able to pin on you is that you're living like a Christian. That's it. Yep, I am. You got me. Guilty as charged. That's the only thing that should, they should be able to stick us with. Does this make sense? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Blessings often come through suffering for Christ because suffering proves our exalted status. Suffering actually proves our exalted status. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Here's why. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Glorify God in that name. Those who actually live by the values of Christ's kingdom live in an upside-down kingdom. Those who weep in this world will be comforted in Christ's kingdom, so says Jesus. Those who hunger, they will be fed. Those last in this world will be first in Christ's kingdom. Jesus turns the order of things in this world on its head. And this is another comfort for you and I. This is like a warm blanket on a cold, bitter night when we're suffering. Right here. If we're getting cursed or excluded or isolated from a group because we live like Jesus in the world, it proves that we're blessed by God. It proves that we're blessed by God. You know why? It's because people do not continue to live like Jesus while experiencing insults and persecution and slander if they're not really Christians. They just quit. They just quit. I don't need that. That means they never really were a Christian. That's how you know that you're blessed. This is exactly what Jesus taught about his kingdom. Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. 
For behold, here's why, your reward is great in heaven. For so, they, uh, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Peter and Jesus, they want to help us completely reimagine suffering for the name of Christ. Because we think we know what that means, and we need God to tell us what that means. And he's saying, if you are cursed by people, it means you are blessed by God. You're blessed by God. And he says this, after you've received your humiliation, you know, you got dressed down in front of somebody, after you received that humiliation by the people in the break room or the parents that are in your play group or the neighbors that are on your street or your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad, you should respond to that by rejoicing. Jesus says, physically respond to that. Physically rejoice. I don't know what that means for you, but I'm going to tell you what that means for me at times, depending on the situation, depending on who and where it is. That means putting on a praise song and drowning out their message with my praises to God and what he says about me. And I sing it loud, and I crank that volume up. I'm going to praise. I'm going to literally, with my mouth, open it up and say, praise you, God. That's how I respond with rejoicing and leap for joy. That might mean that you could find a private place to pray to God after that happens. You duck into the bathroom, you go to your car, wherever it is. But you respond to that. You respond to that not with shame. You respond to that with rejoicing. That that might mean making yourself dance. That's what Jesus is actually alluding to, that we dance in celebration, actually. Not in arrogance, but in celebration. To God, to God. You dance, even though your body feels like crying right then and there. You say, I'm going to be blessed anyhow. I'm going to say to my soul, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, trust in God. I will yet hope in him again. But whatever it is, instead of sitting in that shame, do something. Do something that helps you rejoice in God. And here's why. You've just been given hard evidence that you are truly one of God's children. Rejoice. You're blessed. You are truly receiving an inheritance that will never fade, will never spoil, and can never be taken from you. Rejoice. You're blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed beyond what you currently feel right now. Rejoice. That shaming is proving your honorable status. Rejoice. You're blessed, brothers and sisters. In verse 16, Peter says, don't let anyone make you ashamed of living like a Christian, but rather wear that name with honor and with the glory that it deserves. The word Christian is rarely used in the Bible. In fact, in every instance that that word shows up in Scripture, it is used by unbelievers referring to believers. Did you know that? That is always how it's used, by unbelievers trying to describe or refer to believers, except in verse 16 of 1 Peter. You see, Christian was a title. It was, a, it, was a, it was used by unbelievers as it actually as a demeaning label for believers. They're the ones that came up with that word. It was a shaming word. It was a demeaning word. It literally means little Christ's. As in, ooh, would you look at the little Christ walking around our town now? 
Ooh, would you look at the little Christs that are working for us here, that go to school with us. Look at all the little Christs. Oh, hey, hey, that's not our friend Jane anymore. She thinks she's a little Christ. Well, we'll watch and see how she lives. Like in that tone, like in that vein, that's Christian. This is the only place in Scripture that this word is used by a Christian referring to other Christians. Isn't that interesting? Here's what I think Peter's doing. I think he's doing something very pastoral and very just brilliant here for his people. He's taking a demeaning title that people use to make believers feel ashamed and he's turning it into a badge of honor for them. Don't despise that name. They, they want you to feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about it. As long as you're actually trying to live a life that brings glory to God, you never have to be ashamed as identifying as a Christian. Isn't that great? You don't have to. That's exactly, that's exactly who you are. You're a Christian. You may not be living into that perfectly yet, but if you're trying, you don't have to be ashamed of that. And by God's grace, that's exactly, that's exactly what he is making you into. A little Christ, like him. And that's how I want to end the message today. The power to suffer comes from our faithful creator. The power to do this comes from our faithful creator. So Peter wants us to see that it's through suffering that blessings come. The blessing of knowing that things are not going wrong, but they're going right. The blessing of knowing that we truly are accepted by God and we truly do have an inheritance. And listen, I understand, I get this, like, that sounds really good right now. Like, I get it. That, that sounds good while we're all sitting in here in a church, surrounded by brothers and sisters that kind of think like we do and believe like we do, right? That's real convenient, and that's easy to think that right now. But what about in the moment when the insults are coming? What about in the moment when you and I feel the sting of being misunderstood? Not everyone that asks a question is asking as they want to understand you, Right? Sometimes they're like, I don't want to understand you, and I want you to feel that, and that's why I'm questioning you. So what happens in that moment? They don't want to understand where you're coming from. They don't understand why you think that. Well, we're tempted, as we've been talking about all along, we're tempted to either retaliate, which dishonors the name of the Lord, or we're tempted to just stop living and talking like a Christian so that we'll be accepted by others, and that dishonors the Lord too. That's usually two options that are on the table of how we're going to respond in that moment. The blessings that come through sufferings, that sounds like some sermon we heard a couple of weeks ago. It just evaporates, right? We're not thinking about that in the moment. So what, the question is, what gives you and I the power to embrace suffering when we see it coming and we feel it coming and go, I'm going to step into that. I'm going to just take the lumps. I'm going to take it. I'm going to absorb that. What gives you and I the power to, to suffer and yet continue living like a Christian in that moment. Well, Peter says it's this. It's by faith. We do it by faith. We do it by trusting in our faithful creator. That's how you and I do it. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to, the will, according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. 
We're going to continue trusting our faithful creator and keep staying in our lane. We're not changing. We're going to keep following him and obeying him, right? He's always this and this at the same time, isn't he? Look, we are not merely to trust like God in general. We're just going to trust God. We're just going to trust the man upstairs. We're just going to say, hey, God's good. We're just going to trust God in general. Peter's not, he's not saying, hey, you know what? Just keep calm and carry on. He's not saying that. That's not the advice he's giving you and I. Peter is telling us to trust a faithful creator and keep doing good. Peter's actually reminding us of something very important here. He's being specific on purpose. God will not leave you in your trial all alone. Isn't that great? God will not leave you in your trial when you are brought to trial, all those questions, all by your lonesome. God will visit you while you're on trial. Maybe not before, but while you're in that moment of suffering. God himself. Not an angel, not a substitute, not an ambassador in his name, like God. Think about that. His spirit will rest upon you in that moment so that you will be able to suffer in a way that glorifies his name. He will be faithful to you. Your trust, my trust and hope, is not in how faithful we are to God, though we should be. Our trust and our hope is how faithful God is to us. So when you go into work tomorrow, you go back to your spouse or back to school or wherever, you get a little bit of grief, you get a little bit of ribbing, whatever it is for living like a Christian, actually taking this serious and actually living it out, remember that you do not go into those situations alone, family. You don't go into them alone. God himself goes with you. God himself stands with you. He will be faithful to you. Isn't that good news? It gets better than this. It gets even better. Not only will God be faithful to you, but he will be creator to you. Peter says faithful creator, right? Now that's kind of a curious word when I was reading that. Did you think that was kind of a weird word to put in or did you just kind of read over it? Faithful creator? I mean, you'd think he'd say faithful Lord. Faithful Christ, faithful, like, sovereign, like he's in control of all things or that he has authority over all things, right? But he says faithful creator. And I find that very curious. Well, think about it. What do creators do? They create. They make things, don't they? Creators make things. They create things. God will make you what you need to be in that moment. Isn't that great? So that you can suffer well. Say, so you may say, but you know what? You don't know me. I'm quick to retaliate when I'm insulted. I got a bad temper. And it doesn't glorify God. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to suffer well yet. I haven't been trained. I haven't been discipled enough yet. I'm not ready. Your faithful creator can create in you a clean heart, a new heart, and make you ready to suffer well. You may say, but I'm not good at answering hard questions on the spot. I freeze up. 
I don't know enough. I, just, I don't know enough to answer all these questions. Your faithful creator can create for you the wisdom that you need in that moment to suffer well. You may say, but I am not strong enough to withstand the pain of exclusion. My friends really matter to me and what they think really matters to me. I might cave in so that I might fit in. Well, your faithful creator can create in you the strength to stand in that moment and suffer well. Oh, yes, he can. He can do that for you. Yes, you. He can do that for you and me. What we are not, he can make us into when the time comes. This is the good news, guys. This is the good news of God. We have a faithful creator that will not leave us on our own, nor will he leave us unsupplied when we are put on trial. Trust him. Trust him, your faithful creator, in those difficult moments. And leave the results to God. He loves you. He loves you. I love you guys too. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you because in you we are thoroughly, thoroughly blessed with every possible blessing we could ever dream up and imagine, regardless of what people say. Even people that we care about say we are blessed. So God, I just pray that through your word you would continue to change our thinking, you would shape the desires that we have right now in our heart. You would move us closer to you. You would give us the strength that we need to follow you. You give us the power we need to gently but also courageously trust you and continue doing good. I pray that uh, Crossway as a church would have the reputation of people that love God and love their neighbor, that honor you and even honor their opponents. Make your name great in this church, we pray, and we thank you for what you will do. In Christ's powerful name, amen.